You know, our kids are listening when we talk about God and prayer. Perhaps you've witnessed this. I think I have. But the story is told of a little boy in church. And his dad had had all he could handle with the little boy being mischievous during worship. So finally, the dad jumps up, takes the boy out, holds him like a sack of potatoes. And the boy yells out to the congregation, Y'all pray for me right now. Y'all pray for me. Perhaps I was that little boy one time. Little boy was at home being bad. His mother finally sent him to his room. A little while later he came out and he told his mother, he said, I thought about what I did and I prayed to God about it. She said, good. Did you ask God to help you be good? He said, he said no, I, help, I asked him to help you put up with me better. That's a pretty good prayer. I ask you, him to help you put up with me better. There's an old story about an old western town that had, had no alcohol, been dry for so long. A man moves in and builds a tavern. The church in town has an all-night prayer service. Just so happens the next day, lightning struck the tavern and burned it down. And the tavern owner sued the church, claiming that their prayers caused his business to burn down. The church got a lawyer and went to court with him, opposing what he said. And the judge, after he initially reviewed the case, he said, here's what I find. The tavern owner believes in prayer more than the Christians uh, do. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about prayer and we focused on God in prayer. We said if we're going to pray, we need to focus on the existence of God and how great He is. We need to focus on all that He knows. We need to focus on all His compassion. And we need to focus on all His abilities. Someone has summed it up this way. When we pray, let us remember the love of God because He wants what's best for us. Let us remember the wisdom of God because He knows what's best for us. Let us remember the power of God because he can accomplish what needs to be done. And so, on the other side of that sort of emphasis, we want to think about some practical matters that can help us pray better. So, some Bible-based advice, if you will, about how we can, we can pray better. Emphasis on prayer. Years ago in the Swiss Alps, there was a guide who was taking an official gentleman, if you will, 
up the top of one of the Swiss Alps mountains. And it was very stormy and windy, but they were able to climb up on the side that was blocked, protected from most of that. When they, when they got to the top, the official was so excited about getting to the top that the wind and storm almost blew him off the edge. His guide said, on your knees, sir, on your knees. You will only be safe if you remain on your knees. And we think about prayer when we hear that story. And so let's think about several ideals associated with becoming better people of prayer. First of all, let's think about prayer and charity. Prayer and charity. It has been said many times, nothing makes us love someone, nothing helps us love someone so much as praying for them. Did you notice that as Stephen is being stoned, Acts 7 verse 60, did you notice that he prayed for his offenders? He said, I pray that you lay not this against them. This is the thing that they're very do- they're doing. Okay. And so notice how that he prays for his uh, enemies. He prays, prays for those who are, are accusing him. He prays for those who are bringing death uh, to him. Perhaps he's doing this because he wants to remain true to God in his heart. We mentioned 2 Timothy 4 this morning. And notice down in verses 16 and 17 where Paul says... At my last defense, all men forsook me. No one stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. But he went on to say this. He said, I pray, Lord, that you do not lay this against them. Do not put this against them. This, the fact that his brethren had not stood with him there in the intensity of persecution, he said, Lord, don't keep this against them. Now think about that for a moment. What's, what is Paul praying? Paul, of course, is not praying that, that his brothers and sisters do not have to do the will of God. He's not praying that the Lord just excuse their sin. But rather he is praying, understanding that at times we all become weak, don't we? I believe that's what Paul is recognizing here. I think this is what is in Paul's heart. He's recognizing that with the intensity of the persecution, he could look into their lives. He could put himself where where they would be. And he he could understand, not condone, but he could understand why they would grow weak at that moment in, in their lives. And he prays in regard to their weakness even though they did not come uh, to his defense. But the truth is that the more we pray for someone, then the greater love we're going to have for them. That is one of the great secrets of loving people. It is very difficult to have bitterness or to have uh, anger it's, it's very difficult to have any sort of um, hostility toward anyone if we are continuing to pray for them. Because as we are praying for them, we are 
we're incorporating the view of God on all matters. And we know that God wants everyone to be in heaven. We know the process of how God changes hearts. We know how patient God is. And so we are praying for that person with God in mind. Secondly, as we think about prayer this evening, let's think about praying early. Praying early in the day. Early in the day. It's been said that he who runs from God in the morning will have a hard time finding him during any time of the rest of the day. The Bible encourages us to get a good start with God in the morning. Let me give you some verses without us reading them. Let me give you some verses from the book of Psalms. Psalm number 5, verse 3. Psalm 3, 4 and 5. Psalm 18, 33. Psalm 143, verse 8. All these say approximately the same thing about how that those writing found it very, very beneficial to get up in the morning and begin to cry unto the Lord right away. Job 1 verse 5, we learned that Job had the habit of getting up early and worshiping God, offering sacrifices for himself and his family. And we know that James 5 verse 11 speaks of Job being one of the great patient men in all the Bible. Elkanah and his wife, Hannah, as they are seeking for their son, Hannah at that time was barren. They're in Shiloh. They're close to uh, Eli, uh, the priest. It says there that they all got together, 1 Samuel 1, 19, got up very early in the morning and worshiped the Lord before they returned back to Ramah, their, their regular home. Now, think about some things that we can do if we are seeking the Lord first thing in the morning. Now, I don't know what your morning routine is at all. don't care to know. But the Bible emphasizes looking to the Lord first thing in the morning. Okay, let's think about this in a practical way. One thing is, When we get up in the morning, we realize how blessed we are. And it's a great time. It's a very good time to be grateful to God. To be grateful to God. One of the passages we read last week about the faithfulness of God comes from Lamentations 3 and verse 23. Where it says, the blessings of God, the mercies of God, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. And so... A heart that is aware of God wants to give thanks to God first thing in the morning. Very first thing. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So it's a great time to give thanks to the Lord. It's also a great time for a fresh start. Because if we are walking with God, we have either the night before or right when we got up, we've asked for forgiveness. We have confessed our sins. We know that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so 
we can understand and know that we are off to a great fresh start first thing in the morning and we can rejoice in the Lord uh, as we talk to Him. Psalm number 30 verse 5 is a great one to mark in your Bible. Psalm 30 verse 5. It says, The anger of God lasts but for a moment, but His favor is for a, last, for a lifetime. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry during the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so a lot of times we may pillow our head at night and be very distraught and regretful about some things that we have done and we confess that to God and then next day we can get up to a fresh start before the Lord and we can know that He has forgiven us and we're ready to get on with our day. First thing in the morning is also a good time to petition God for strength. Jesus told His disciples there in Matthew 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, Pray that you don't enter into temptation. Pray about that. It's a great time to pray that prayer as we are getting up first thing in the morning. It's also a great time to, uh, to plan to prepare your day. Most likely, if we are not planning to do good works throughout the day, then the busyness of the day will simply take those opportunities away from us. It's a great time to prepare, to plan, uh, to do some good works that day. Ephesians 5 verse 16 says, Redeem the time. Make the most of your time. For the days are evil. The Lord needs our good works every day. So that first thing in the morning is a great time to prepare. Perhaps you can find some time at lunch. Perhaps you can find some time on a break to write some cards or make some phone calls or be able to see somebody, encourage somebody. But it doesn't happen unless we plan uh, to do it. First thing in the morning is a great time to think about Jesus. If you get out real early in the morning before it gets daylight, you can look into the sky. You see some bright, bright stars. Some people say that you're seeing uh, the planet Venus, which is sometimes called the morning star. It's interesting that Revelation twenty two sixteen calls Jesus the bright and morning star. The Lord tells us in John 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's a great time to think about Jesus as the day is approaching. And so as we think about prayer... We need to remind ourselves that praying can help us to be more charitable. It can help us to love others. And also, we need to think about praying with, with greatness early uh, in the morning. But then another thought along that line is to think about our family when we pray. Okay. Think about our family. Jeremiah 10 at the end of that chapter, I'm not sure what verse it is. It's not 23, because 23 says the way of man is not in himself. So it has to be 24 or 25. Jeremiah 10, 25 or so says there is a pronouncement of woe upon the families that do not call upon God. 
God is not pleased when families do not call upon him. He expects mom and dad and brother and sister and, and whoever's in the household to have much time in prayer and study uh, together. We want to teach our kids how to pray. One suggested this. Have some please prayers. Divide your prayers among your children, teaching them to pray. Teach them how to pray please prayers, and then thank you prayers, and then I'm sorry prayers. And that's an excellent way to get your children off to a good start in in developing their own prayer life. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 talks about being anxious for nothing but in everything uh, through prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God and do this with thanksgiving. So definitely we want our children to learn how to make their requests be known to God. What's on their hearts? What do they desire from God? Knowing that he is the giver of all things. But then also that they learn to thank him. So the please prayers and the thank you prayers, and then when they do something bad, to learn to to be in the habit of going to God and saying, I'm sorry. And so charity can help us pray. And then also thinking about our family uh, can help us pray. Getting up early in the morning can help us uh, to pray. Let's think about the next part in prayer, and that is, how frequent do you pray? The frequency of prayer. I think I heard some folks from Austinville one time tell this story about um, in an African village where the gospel had gone, uh, several of the people had been converted, and they took it very seriously. In fact, took it so seriously, they created out in the jungle just a little way from their houses, they created places of prayer, little little huts, individual places of prayer. Or it might not even be a hut, just maybe a, just a gathering in the woods. But, but each one of them who were converted would have their little special place of prayer, and then they would wear a path out to the place of prayer. And then as it goes with human beings, some people would become faint in their prayer habit, and grass would be start growing and because they're not keeping their path worn so grass starts growing in their path and and the way to go come up and to and to admonish your brother would be hey i see there's grass growing in your, on your path and that's all you had to say because they would know i he knows that i'm not praying like i used to okay. but just think about that the frequency of it the frequency of it do we have a well-worn path in prayer. Is it constant? Is it constant? We know 1 Thessalonians 5 teaches us to pray without ceasing. Colossians 4, 2 through 4 says we ought to be continuing in prayer. It's certainly true that it is good for us, even when we're not praying, to have a mindset that could easily stop and pray. But that mindset is not a substitute for actual prayer. God wants us actually praying with great deal of effort. I was thinking about that song that we're going to have for our invitation, Nothing But the Blood. Nothing But the Blood. Because Jesus has done what he has done for us, then we have this opportunity to pray. Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 teaches that. 
that Jesus has passed through the heavens, it says there. So let us hold fast our confession, he being the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession there, Hebrews 4, 14. And then verse 15 uh, says, We do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one who was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And then verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may find help to, to, uh, to help us uh, in the time of need. And the Lord wants to hear from us. First uh, Peter 3, 10 through 12 talks about how the Lord's ears are open unto our prayers and his, his eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto our supplication and to our prayers. And so we need to think about the frequency of it. Just how often do uh, we pray? And not only the frequency of it, but we need to think about hostility in our world as we think about prayer. So I want you to follow me here. Okay. Prayer can help us in our charity, in our love toward others. Prayer can be encouraged if we think about calling on the Lord first thing in the morning, getting up way early to be able to call upon Him and, and petition Him. And then think about how important prayer is for our families. And think about how important it is to be frequent and regular uh, in our prayers. But then more than that, I want us to think about how important it is to pray because we know there's hostility in the world. We mentioned this morning that persecution is a real thing, and it is. But the way we counter that oftentimes is through prayer. The world can reject the message of Jesus. The world can despise us personally, but they are helpless against our prayers. Look over to Ephesians 6 with me for just a minute in your Bibles. Ephesians 6, as Paul lays out the the armor for war, and you recall this, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, he talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. He talks about putting on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, having your loins girt about uh, with uh, truth and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he says all of that to get us ready for a world of hostility but then he also adds prayer here. If you look at Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 18, he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end, to that end, keep alert with all your perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening up my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I hope we understand how important prayer is in that proclamation of the gospel and teaching uh, the word of God. It's, it's a lot like the furnace that would heat a house. What is, what is the furnace for the church? It's, it's the prayers of the saints. It's the prayers. And let me encourage us that we will pray for the sowing of the seed of the gospel, that we will pray about that. How many of you prayed yesterday? Think about that. How many of you got up yesterday morning and prayed? Why would you pray about sowing the seed? 
yesterday morning. Does anybody know? Does anybody know why you'd be praying for the sowing of the seed? Okay. We're having a brotherhood-wide door hanging. Okay, hang, all we did here in our area was not really knocking on doors, just hanging uh, bags. Many of you helped put those together, but sowing the seed. Sowing the seed. Do you believe that prayer would help in that regard? Do you think that would help at all? Is, is there any harm in calling upon the power of God and His great providence to take these, these materials, which we know are sound according to the New Testament doctrines and New Testament uh, presentations? We know these materials. Is there any harm in praying about that? And see, Paul says, I need your prayers. I need all your supplications. I need you doing this day and night because I'm opening up my mouth to proclaim. And so it helps us to pray when we think about the hostility of the world. Paul follows that up in Colossians 4, 2 through 4 by saying, I want you to continue in prayer that a door for the word, a door for the word might be opened um, wherever it is that we are going at the next time. Paul was in prison as he is writing that. And Paul, just because he was in prison, was not going to stop sowing the seed of the gospel. He's asking for prayers. Certainly he was asking that he might be able to get out of that prison and be able to proclaim the gospel. But nonetheless, even while he was in the prison cells, he was proclaiming the gospel. So, Prayer helps when we think about the hostility uh, in the world. In the next place, prayer helps in regard to humility. Humility. We cannot pray without humility. Someone has said that when a man is on his knees before God, by the way, do you ever get on your knees and pray? Do you have time for that? I would encourage you to use several different postures in prayer. Going outside, looking up at the sky and pray. Laying on your bed at night and pray. Driving in your car and pray. Okay? Certainly bowing your head and pray. What about laying down on your stomach and praying like Jesus did in the garden? What about getting on your knees and praying? Like Paul did with the elders at, at Ephesus, Acts 20, 36 and 38. So when a man is on his knees before God, there he is, and he is nothing more. When a man is on his knees before God, someone has said, that he is, and he is nothing more. In other words, when we are before God in prayer, we are able to see ourselves as never before. We see how we are truly before God. We have nothing it is just us and God. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, as he's talking about sowing the seed, he said, he that, he that plants is nothing. He that waters is nothing. God gives the increase. We ought to see that as we sow the seed, and we certainly ought to see it as we are bowing before our Lord. There's nothing like prayer that brings humility 
Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 7 that we ought to be casting all of our care upon the Lord because He cares for us. But leading up to verse 7 there in 1 Peter 5, he says we ought to be submitting ourselves and clothing ourselves with humility. Clothing ourselves with humility. May our learning of Scripture and may the obtaining of knowledge that we think we have, may it never create any sort of pride in our hearts. There ought to be a dependency upon God and a humility before God as we pray but also in all of life. So we think about the humility that ought to be before God. And then, what about the intensity? The intensity. A couple of generations back, I forget what preacher was talking about this. It might have just been Martin Luther. But anyway, we've all had this experience. You've got a puppy dog and you've got a, you're sitting there at the table and you're eating. And you've got a morsel of meat, a piece of meat that you might just let that dog have. But you're holding it up before him. Have you ever seen such intensity in all your life? The dog will be right there before you with his mouth open. And do you, do you ever notice their eyes? It's incredible. There's no motion in their eyes. They will not blink. They are solely focused on that piece of meat. All his thoughts are totally on that piece of meat. Otherwise, that little puppy has no thought, no hope, no wish other than that piece of meat. Oh, that we could pray like that. Oh, that we could study like that. Oh, that we could worship like that. Oh, that we could serve with that kind of intensity. If that could just happen. We remember James' words in James 5, 16. The, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We're not getting anything out of our prayer life if we're not fervent in our prayer. When Peter was arrested, as we read in Acts 12, definitely arrested in order to, to take his life, the church, Acts 12, verse 5, they met together in a house and they prayed earnestly for the release of Peter. An angel came that night and released Peter from the prison in a very miraculous way. You might say the angel fetched Peter but first, the prayer, the earnest prayers of the church, in a sense, fetched the angel from God who came and released uh, Peter. The intensity. We remember as Jesus prayed in the garden that his sweat became as great drops of blood. He was so intense in his prayer. He so wanted to keep the will of God. He so wanted to fulfill what the Father would have him to do right there on the cross. It wasn't easy at all. But he was going to pray with every ounce of his being that it would definitely get done. What about the intensity of our prayers? 
And then we also need to think about the sin, sincerity of our prayers. Now, again, I want you to follow me here. Okay, I'm not just speaking. Uh, I'm not randomly speaking here. I've got a, a pattern here. Okay, and I try to go in alphabetical order. Okay, so I started with C, charity, and then I went to E, early in the morning. Then we went to F. We need to pray with our families. Okay. And then we need to pray with a great deal of frequency. Then we went to H. Okay. We need to pray because there's hostility in the world. We need to pray with a great deal of humility. Then we went to I. We need to pray with intensity. And then finally this evening, we want to pray sincerely. Sincerely. We're not just praying with a sense of duty to be able to say, yes, I pray. But no, we want to come to God with all our heart. It'd be better to have heart without words than to have words without heart. We read about that, don't we, in 1 Samuel 1, as Hannah prayed about having a son so that she could give him to the Lord Eli noticed her. She's, she's moving her lips, but he's not hearing anything. She's not drunk, Eli, but rather she is fervently praying to the Lord. And he's not hearing her words, but she's got the heart for God. Now, Jesus talked about having words without heart in Matthew 6 as he rebukes the Pharisees. They love to stand on the corners of the street, they loved to stand in certain places in the synagogue so people could hear them pray. They would repeat themselves and repeat themselves and repeat themselves. Their heart wasn't in it. He called that vain repetitions. Vain repetitions. He said, you need to go home, go to your closet and pray. The Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But if you continue this vain repetition, if you continue to pray, just to be able to say, hey, I prayed and mark that off my list, then you already have your reward, but it's not coming from God. So we need to pray sincerely, sincerely. Well, I wanted to share with you some thoughts that I, I think will help us to be better servants of prayer, better prayer warriors. Jesus went to the cross and he was anxious to do it for us. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He was glad to do it. He went to the cross With an intensity, knowing he would suffer. And yet, we have before us the throne of grace. The throne of grace. No suffering there, just blessing. Just blessing. When you think about being humble before God, you ask yourself, what do I do when I go to prayer? One thing you do is you surrender yourself. 
You surrender yourself. You surrender all your, your lust for pleasure. You, you surrender all of your desires. You surrender it all to the will of the Lord. And you tell the Lord. You pledge before the Lord. Lord, I'm giving this all to you. I'm surrendering myself to you. This is to be done every time we pray. Doesn't the Bible say in Luke 9, 23, to take up your cross daily? Daily? Make that surrender daily to the Lord. And remain, remaining humble before God, here's another thing we do. We seek to change or ha- have the Lord change us in our character. Is it possible to change? Is it possible to be, become the man, the, the, the lady that God would have me to be? We ask God to change us, to be more like Him, to be who He wants us to be. Many people pray to God and say, change my circumstances. Change my circumstances. But what God really wants us to do is to come to Him and ask Him to help us to change, to be more like Him. Matthew 6 makes it clear, Jesus does, that God already knows what our needs are. He already knows what our circumstances are. Then why pray? Because prayer is more for us than it is about our circumstances. It's more about change in us than it is what God knows or what He doesn't know or what He cares to know. The Lord knows it all. It's all about our surrendering to His will. And we would love to assist each other to assist anyone who has that desire this evening to come home to the Lord in simple obedience. Come home, come back to the Lord as you make requests for forgiveness. We stand ready to assist you this evening. Won't you come right now as we stand together as we sing, Brother Paul?